Hey guys, I am sitting in the middle of the woods in a chair. It is balmy here. It's like pre-spring, but it feels like spring. It's a little cloudy. You might hear some birds. You might hear the wind, but I'm recording a special podcast today. Uh, I'm having a return guest named Richard Lewis. So I have him on the phone and we're going to do this again. We're going over a book called Sitting with God. And so we're going to get to that. We're just going to first um, kind of get to uh, speak with Richard Lewis. And um, this is the Construction Monk podcast. Sometimes I forget to say that, but uh, I am your host, Jay Randall Ori, And you can always catch more t- content at www.moderncontemplative.com. So without further ado, the person I call the other Richard and the other Lewis, Richard Lewis, not Richard Rohr or C.S. Lewis. Uh, how you doing, Richard? Good, good. Nice to uh, talk with you again. I, I was looking forward to it, so nice to reconnect. Yeah, I appreciate you taking the time. Um, I really enjoyed the conversation, and I, I know a lot of other people did. So I think I've, we've talked about this, but I think I'd like to try to continue to do this at least once a month to, to have some conversations with you and see where you're where you're at, what you're learning, what you're doing. And so I know we've talked, and there's some new things going on for you. So would you just share that real quick? Sure, sure. Um, and a lot of it's centered around the book, but it's just been a whole lot of fun. I've been doing um, more talks to contemplative prayer groups. I did one last Saturday um, for an hour and a half with, uh, with a group, and that was a whole lot of fun. I, I, I did a talk, we did a centering prayer sit, and then we had a Q&A, and it, actually they extended the time, so it probably went almost two hours. Um, so I've been doing more of that, where I've been invite either getting myself invited or getting invited to different contemplative prayer groups and just sharing my journey and sharing what does it mean to consent to god within and then just getting their reaction comments and and questions wow. so i've been doing a lot a lot of that yeah. and then podcast interviews such as you i i have one um lined up next week and another one the following week so i just seem to be getting myself invited on podcast. So it's just been a whole lot of fun just getting out there and sharing Center in Prayer and sharing my book. Yeah. Um, and I have a new, the last thing I'll say is people have read my book and I had a, uh, a pastor of a Methodist church reach out to me and we're going to begin one-on-one coaching uh, with Center in Prayer this week as a result of her reading my book, us having a conversation and her thinking that I, I can help her with her uh, Center in Prayer style and prayer practice. So it's just been a, a neat, neat experience. A lot of, a lot continues to happen. Wow, I love that. I love hearing anything about the practice of centering prayer and contemplation growing and moving. And I, that's why I really love about you and what you do is that you're, you're just helping birth and bring this thing into the world more and into mainstream Christianity more. And that's kind of, I think that's where we both connect is we, we're both contemplatives which is just a private practice, but we're also teachers of contemplation, which means we want to help other people come to where we have come to, because it is beautiful and it is beneficial and it's life-giving, right? It is. I mean, it's like changing, like giving. Yeah. Um, if you consent to God within, God takes action in you, and then you get up from your sits and, and take kind of the God-inspired action. At least I'm definitely seeing it in my life. <laughs> Yeah, we'll get into this in chapter four, but you definitely talk about how 
that inner transformation through centering prayer and contemplation has given you more boldness and excitement to step into new things with God. And I, I think that's just a natural part of the overflow of contemplation and this kind of prayer, which puts us more in contact with the heart of God, which puts us more in contact with our true self, right? I love that. Yes, exactly. Well, well put. <laughs> yeah, I get excited. I mean, this is my passion. I know it's your passion, so I just get excited hearing the new things God's doing through you and, and to help others know God more. That's that's all. That's what it's about, right? Exactly. You're exactly correct. Yeah, I mean, um, it's so cool. I, I love that people are reaching out to you and you're continuing to do that work and to help uh, make people aware of your book and what you're in contemplation. So that's really cool. Agree, agree. I mean, it just, as, it, as I said probably last time, it's just been so life-giving, life-enriching, and I simply want to share it because I, I know it can help others. Yeah. I mean, that's, there's no greater motivation towards evangelism than experiencing God, I, I think. That's awesome. Exactly. I mean, it, it, exactly. It's it's just one window portal to the to God, which then you... And get up from your sits and take the same posture of letting go that you do during centering prayer and opening to God in your silent sits is the same thing you can do in life. Just let go and open to God in your everyday life. And that's what centering prayer can, can do for you and certainly has done for me. Yeah, so just take a moment because some of our listeners may not be aware of the term sit or what that means uh you probably heard you say it before but just so just take a minute and explain what it means what daily sit is sure um it's really a silent sit so centering prayer and i'll just briefly describe it again um it's a form of silent prayer where you sit with god it's wordless prayer Mm -hmm. and it's basically you sit and then with the use of a sacred word that you would choose of one or two or three syllables such as love god ocean whatever word you want it to be you interiorly introduce that word to start the prayer Mm -hmm. and then whenever you engage your thought and what i mean by that is whenever you begin thinking about the past or planning your future or doing anything other than sitting silently you interiorly reintroduce that word and then let go of it and it's really just to bring you back to the presence moment and the presence and actions of God within and you just do that through the entire period that you're sitting in silence if you choose to sit 10 minutes you'll repeat that whenever needed or if if it's 20 minutes whatever time frame you've chosen Mm -hmm. that's what you do you reintroduce that word when you engage your thought and whenever you need to and sometimes you don't need the word because you catch yourself so to speak and bring Mm -hmm. yourself back but the whole purpose really is just your it's a continuous opening to god and Mm -hmm. the presence and actions of god within and letting go of your thoughts and emotions and your planning and plotting and whatever you're doing Mm -hmm. and just sitting with god and letting god just resting in the rest of god and that's that's really what it is. It's just a form of wordless, silent prayer where you're just trusting and resting in the rest of God. Mm-hmm. You're not, it, and by all means, don't give up other forms of prayer. If you have verbal prayer or whatever different methods of prayer you have, it's just another form of prayer um, that I think is nice. And some people find nice because you don't have to worry about what you say or what you do. You're just being with God for that time. 
Yeah, I started centering prayer um, somewhat like you, just feeling prompted by God. But I had had a breakdown, and I had I was struggling with thoughts that were out of control. And so I actually started just looking up a lot of short scriptures in the Bible, very short. Um, single scriptures and I would sit I started with five minutes I would sit on my bed which is dangerous sometimes (laughs) because you can fall asleep but I would sit on my bed close my eyes and I would use that scripture to focus me and that's how I began and like you I started with five minutes and it was hard but I would close my eyes and I would use breathing and I would say the verse in my mind I picked verses that were hopeful Because I was in a very dark place and I needed to hear the truth of God in a very simple way that would calm my thoughts and emotions, my heart and my spirit. Because I was experiencing a lot of chaos internally, what you could say, too much movement. And so I knew I needed to move away from movement, right, to be silent. Right, right. And and it's from what you're saying i mean you know you're almost we're practicing centering prayer without realizing it and you don't have to use a word you can use mm-hmm. your breath which mm-hmm. sounds like you can use some of your breath you can use i use an interior image just to bring me back so you don't there's many different uh, sacred word it's just kind of a term but there's many sacred word methods your breath mm-hmm. an interior image or a word um or even just kind of staring at at, at a spot to, mm-hmm. to remain focused Yeah, that chapter three of your book, which is entitled Going Deeper with Centering Prayer, there's a quote by Eva Grios. I can't pronounce this name. Do you know who I'm talking about? I I think Evagrios, but I could be wrong too. (laughs) Evagrios. That sounds right. It sounds Latin. So this is the quote. Um, Prayer means the shedding of thoughts. So one thing that most of our listeners may not be aware of is the Western mind is dominated by the intellectual center, which is what we call the mind, but there's actually more, we have more minds than that. But the intellectual center basically is a thinking center. It's it's always moving. And so often in prayer, and Paul says, I pray with my mind and my spirit, so he makes a distinction there. So often in prayer, we come with our mind and we're talking to God. That's, that's a moving process where we're putting out thoughts, but centering prayer, is helps us still that mind and come to God also with our heart and our spirit as well as our intellectual center. So I think that, that I think it can be confusing for people saying we need to get silent, but what we're actually silencing often is the intellectual center. Right. We're we're just getting ourselves during this, at least during centering prayer, you're just getting yourself out of the way. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's really what. Uh, the letting go in centering prayer, I would equate to the shedding of my thoughts. I'm, I'm letting yeah. go of, of my mm-hmm. thoughts and opening to God and sitting with as much of God as I can mm-hmm. and, and not and not me and my thoughts. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I think... Because if I'm thinking of... I'm sorry to interrupt. If I'm thinking of my thoughts all the time, then, mm-hmm. then maybe I'm not really... At least during centering prayer, then I'm not mm-hmm. really praying. It's more of an internal discussion. <laughs> yeah, well... I think also the point is God is more than a mind. God is a heart as well as a spirit. And so we're trying to connect to God more than our mind to God's mind, but also our heart and our spirit too. So like you're talking about a deeper connection, right, beyond just the mind itself. Right, right. I mean, we're just kind of opening to God at our innermost 
innermost being we were kind of i guess dropping in, into our hearts and and our little heart joining the big heart or we're, we, and these are all just terms we don't really know what to call it or my small mind is merging with the larger mind um, yeah yeah uh, um words are symbols right it's like what we're talking about is trying to engage in the person of with the person of god and sometimes religion builds up language and metaphor and image around this person and there's the person themselves that that is beyond all those things right and that's and that's kind of the beauty of centering prayer is, mm-hmm. is we're we're letting go of words and images of god and just being with god and letting god be god when when we do this yeah one of the i guess i don't know if it's the first section in chapter three it's called centering prayer teaches us who jesus is and one of the quotes i liked was through centering prayer we begin to mirror jesus so i think that pertains to what we're talking about in, in the sense of you can know about someone um peripherally you can know information about someone i can know about abraham lincoln but that would be different than me actually meeting abraham lincoln right Right, right. The same was with Jesus. We can know about Jesus, but to know Jesus heart to heart, right? That's different. Right, and that's at least what I believe during Center in Prayer. You know, I, I believe I'm I'm sitting with with Jesus mm-hmm. um, during the Center in Prayer, mm-hmm. um, and he, almost like the Quakers when when they sit in silence, they they expect Jesus to show up. So in a way, I. I, I, I that's I agree. I mean, Jesus shows up and is sitting with me during center in prayer, and then I'm getting up from my walk and kind of taking on the actions that Jesus would have liked me to take, wants me to take in the world. So it's I mean, it's, it's almost it's, it's it is a paradox. I mean, I'm sitting with God, I'm sitting with Jesus, I'm sitting with the Holy Spirit, but that, that, that's okay. I mean, and even the centering prayer folks the, the three trappist monks that created centering prayer would say you're sitting with the the trinity and the trinity is praying in you yeah and that's a par- that's a paradox and i'm okay with that too <laughs> <laughs> yeah well as we we've we touched upon the intellectual center and to the intellectual center the rational mind we could say this these things often don't make sense like how because the rational mind it just it's hard to connect that with something that of, of God, which is so ethereal, and it, it can seem irrational, right? Right, right. But um, yeah. I mean, I just, I just trust. I've just learned to trust the process. We'll just sit in silence and let trust. Simply trust the process. Mm-hmm. And it's not really a process. I mean, I call it a process, but it's right. just trust. Trust God. <laughs> That's really what I'm doing. Um, and and when I say you know, centering prayer is so life giving and life enriching. It's it's not the centering prayer. That's just the practice or tool. It's it's mm-hmm. God God's transformation of me and me allowing God to transform me. Yeah, it's uh, I, Jesus uses all this language all the time. My sheep know my voice. I and God will come and dwell with you and in you. The Holy Spirit is in you, and so a contemplative prayer plays off of all those ideas. Also, the ideas of omniscience and omnipotence. God is everywhere. God knows all things. God is in all things. And so it's actually taking those things very seriously and in some ways literally, right? No, I mean, you're exactly, exactly correct. 
Yeah, I, I think we wrestle as teachers of contemplation with helping people understand the practicality and the viability of this practice. It's not foreign to Christianity or the Bible. It's, it's taking what we might have understood on a surface level and trying to take it deeper. Like, Jesus wasn't just saying something nice-sounding when he said, my sheep know my voice. He was being serious, right? <laughs> right, right. And that's, and we, at least during Centering Prayer, I'm, that's really what I'm doing. I'm, I'm listening mm-hmm. at, for his voice, and it's not, and it may not be an audible sound. It's, it's deeper than that. It's, um, mm-hmm. I'm listening for the voice of Jesus at a deep level mm-hmm. within my within within my heart so to speak yeah the the famous passage it's in it's the prophet i i think it's the prophet elijah where he he hears the still small voice of god but that's that same idea of there god is quiet and we must get quiet to hear god and then there's probably some people I have not, but I think some people have heard an audible sound, and I don't doubt that. Mm-hmm. I have not, and maybe I will in the future. Mm-hmm. So I've just felt more of an inner nudge to do something. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think some people do hear, in you know, they might hear a whisper and, and wonder what the heck was that. And so mm-hmm. I, I don't doubt that. I have not experienced that, and maybe I will, or maybe I never will. <laughs> but I definitely experience it through kind of inner inner nudges right and like what we're also talking about is developing a sensitivity to god's presence in us through us in the world around us right it's um right and then you have to determine okay i have an inner nudge now is is this action god wants me to take Mm -hmm. and and I don't remember if I brought it up on the last talk a month or so ago. I, I guess my, for now, my inner, my barometer is, you know, if it's something that it excites me, mm-hmm. even if it's out of my comfort zone and scares me and I have an inner peace about it and it won't harm me or harm others, then I move forward with it. But once it uh, maybe stops exciting me or is harming me or harming others, then I stop and realize, okay, maybe this is not really an inner nudge from God, so maybe I need to re-listen or, or change my approach. So for now, that's been my barometer, and, and maybe that'll change in a couple of years, but that's kind of been my discern, my barometer. And, and I also, anything where I have an inner nudge, I bring them into my center and prayer sits and kind mm-hmm. of read them and bring it into my center and prayer sit so that I can partner with God. So that so that's my process. I bring things into my sits and then let them go, do mm-hmm. my practice, and then if my barometer still works, I move forward. Or not still works, if it, if, it, if they meet my barometer, then I move forward. Yes, uh, and one of the things you're talking about is giving God the opportunity to speak. If we never give God the opportunity, we shouldn't expect it to happen. And the other is, it's a practice, which means... We, I like this phrase, you have to do something poorly before you learn to do it well. That's just the nature of anything. And so there's grace to learn, there's grace to fail, there's grace to struggle, but try it. Do it. Don't expect to do it well, probably for a long time, but like, don't worry about doing it right or getting it right. I think that's a lot of what you're saying. Right, or, or just the practice itself. I mean, you can't you really can't do it wrong if you if you show up mm-hmm. you're, yes. you're you're doing it if and, and it doesn't matter whether you feel like you weren't there the whole time 
and you and you were constantly thinking thoughts or you were daydreaming or plotting or planning as long as you show up and just keep letting go as the practice teaches us mm-hmm. uh, you can't you're not fail you can't fail at it yeah. uh, only, i guess the only way to fail is to never show up and and i'm not saying you're a failure <laughs> because you didn't show up but the only way you you don't do the practice well is by not showing up yeah yeah i think there's a lot of grace just just trying to walk with God and, and having an intent towards knowing God is kind of what you're talking about. And there's so much more grace, I think, than what we realize when it comes to this process. Uh, God's not concerned about doing it well. Like you said, just do it. That, that's the thing. God can work with someone who's willing. It's hard to work with someone who's not. <laughs> right, right. I mean, yeah. it's really as simple as that. It's just kind of make the time... And a lot of people say, I don't have the time, and I'll argue you really do. It just seems to have a way of giving you back time when you're, oh, yeah. outside, of your, when you're outside of your prayer. So you just need to look at your life and figure out where does it fit right now. And then when your life changes, then you, you can shift when you do it as well. But look at your life and what does it tell you? Where can I fit it in? Mm-hmm. Um, because I get it. I mean, if, if you're um, – for, for example, I have a coaching client, and – she has a, an eight-month-year-old and a, I think it was a six- or seven-month-year-old. She's working during the day from home because of COVID, and she has taken care of these two, two children, and um, she wants to practice centering prayer. So we had to think about, okay, well, when can you do it? Mm-hmm. And that, that's when you'll do it. So she has to look at her life right now. Where can she fit it in? Mm-hmm. So it is doable, but you have to just take a step back and figure out what is, where does it fit for me right now with, with my life? And then in a couple of years, that will probably change for her. So you can just kind of keep evaluating what your life looks like and where you fit your, where you can fit your sits in. Now, I think the other point you're making, this is not an add-on to your life. It's the center because it puts you in a different place to live a different way, which makes your whole life better, more focused on God. And God's purpose in you, um, yeah. And I think what you're also pointing to is one of uh, one of the things we struggle with in terms of fearfulness and anxiety is time. Um, we we're I think time is is always chasing us down, right? It's a devil. <laughs> um, at least we feel that way. We feel like we're always running out. That's what is also called a scarcity mentality. We're we never there's never enough. But when you begin to understand that's a message. And you don't have to believe it, but the way that we get out of it is to begin to listen to what God would say in contrast to that fearful message, right? Right. I mean, it's exactly that. And just this, and I can only speak from my experiences, this time that I take, even mm-hmm. though I could be very busy at any point during the day, the time that I take to do it helps me with the, my time outside of center in prayer. I, I get the work done and, and I'm trusted I'm a more I think I'm more productive only because it's the letting go and centering prayer helps me let go of what I don't need to focus on and mm-hmm. focus on those couple tasks or things that need to get done. Yeah, I'm also thinking so it, Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, it's all it just it just centers me. It just mm-hmm. centers me on the present moment so that God and I together tackle what needs to be done today and let go of what doesn't. Mm-hmm. Whereas if I didn't do the practice, I think I would be more frazzled and, and I would be less focused mm-hmm. and I wouldn't be as productive as I could be. So it has helped me 
when work and life is very chaotic that, that more than ever you need you need that you need to sit and i'll leave, and even from talking to a lot of ministers and pastors they'll they'll say they they don't have the time and i'll kind of tell them i you more than ever need a silent prayer practice because you have more hectic, chaotic life that is unexpected phone calls and unexpected things 24-7 that you have to do. So more than ever, you definitely need a silent prayer practice to help you with uh, your ministry. And their ministry is leading people to God. <laughs> so they should be right, spending right. time with God. That's really, it's so true though. I My dad was a pastor. I've walked with pastors. I've been in church life, seen the other side of pastorship and so I agree with you often pastors why do pastors burn out because they're not doing the things they're trying to teach right (laughs) so I I love that you're coaching pastors I think that's so cool like man that could do a lot of good no I mean it's been neat over the years I've I've coached various I've coached you know Catholic priests and and, um, Episcopal I think or maybe maybe it was more Anglican uh, and Methodist pastor because they're realizing that they're not taking the time um, that they need so we, we spend a lot of time talking about that, that if you don't take the time to do this silent form of prayer it, it's gonna in the long run you're gonna burn out <laughs> and, and they, yeah. they agree mm-hmm. so they agree how important it is to take the time in silence with God just to kind of refresh and restart them for their work and mm-hmm. I kind of I remind them Jesus went off on his Jesus went off alone to be with God mm-hmm. probably was silent during a lot of that time I can, we can't prove it but we think he was silent Jesus did it mm-hmm. so there's no reason why you can't do it he did he did it and kind of modeled that for you well one thing we do know when Jesus was teaching about prayer which he didn't do a lot of but when he was he said do not be like the Gentiles who think by their many words they will be heard Right? Right. Many right. words. Sorry. I got to throw a lot of stuff. I got to tell God everything. And, and what does Scripture say, too? Like, the Holy Spirit only already knows what we're going to say before we say it. Right? So we don't, right. really, we don't really need to tell God anything, but we, we really need to get in tune with God's heart for us more than we need to show God ours. Right? Right. So more than ever, people in ministry, whatever form it is, whether it's a pastor mm-hmm. or just in any form of ministry— more than ever needed, and, and you'll you'll hear that and from pe- different people that I've read books on that are in ministry mm-hmm. and that practice centering prayer or contemplative prayer mm-hmm. tell, tell say in their books that they've burned out and, and this a practice such as centering prayer saved them. Yeah, and, and he, he, even I spoke to a uh, when my book came out. I had there was a a monk in the Netherlands that purchased my book on Amazon Germany reached out to me on Facebook Messenger, wanted to talk to me. We had a Zoom call um, when the book came out, and he was telling me that, you know, Center in Prayer saved his monastery life. And wow. He, disco- he discovered it. He discovered it was one of the Thomas Keating books in, in a pew at the monastery hmm. and began learning more about Center in Prayer and practicing Center in Prayer mm-hmm. as a result of that. And he told me that it, it saved his monastic life. <laughs> so, That's amazing. That's yeah, awesome. It is. I mean, we we learned this from monasticism uh, contemplation, but then it's funny how things can be forgotten, right? For all of us, that's true. But um, I think it's funny we've jumped way ahead to the end of chapter four when we're talking about productivity. But that's okay. <laughs> I just I want to remind people of the book, and that's that's what we're. We're not here to promote the book, but just to share your wisdom, which is in the book, but it's actually in you too. So I think it's kind of funny. Uh, well, one of the last sections in chapter four is 
called productivity um, or how centering prayer increases productivity. But that's what we're talking about, right? <laughs> that's true. <laughs> um, I do like going back to chapter three, and we're already touching upon this, but it, there's a something you write. It says, some contemplatives have commented that there are two great sacraments of the church, the sacrament of Holy Communion and the sacrament of silence. Um, when we take Holy Communion, we participate in the body of Christ. And when we practice disciplined silences, we also commune with Christ. I kind of like that idea. Uh, and people may not know the word sacrament as much. That's more of a Catholic term. But sacrament is just something that puts us in contact with God, right? Right. Exactly. Exactly. So it's like the body of a communion, when we take the bread and the wine, it symbolizes communion, contact with God and with other believers. And then being silent helps us be more also in tune with it. Those are, these are doing the same thing in different ways, right? Communion reminds us that we're connected and silence seeks to put us in more connection with God. Right. I mean, taking Holy Communion and I mean, I think the Catholics believe they're really eating, if I'm understanding it, the, the body of Christ. Um, but it's... Um, each everybody's a little bit different with how they're taking it but right they're just participating in the body of christ when mm -hmm. we take the holy communion i think i guess the catholics do it every week i believe mm -hmm. and the, the church i was at the united church of christ we did it monthly mm -hmm. so but everybody's kind of going to the same place where we're participating in the body of christ together as a community yeah the catholics call that transubstantiation to use a big big word that sounds smart <laughs> but transubstantiation is the is the idea that catholics where like you said it's deeper than just they they believe that the communion turns into the body of christ inside their stomach that's kind of the superficial understanding but they believe that the life of christ truly energizes us and gives us life and that's more contemplative right and, that, and that's beautiful i mean to think about doing that you know, we, we we can do it every day, but it's mm -hmm. beautiful to go to go to church and take communion once a week, and um, have that happen. Yeah, believe, and believe and believe it's happening. Maybe as a side note, just in my practice, when it comes to taking communion, I mean bread, the bread and wine in a church service. When I do that, when I take the bread, uh, this is kind of how I do it now, and this is because of contemplation. But I take the bread and I say, "Lord, you are energy." for me and then when I take the communion I say just like the blood is the life of everything you are my life you give me life you, in a very literal way too you sustain me and so I try to to like let's make it practical sometimes communion as a sacrament can become disconnected and it's just something where well, we remember Christ died on the cross and paid the debt of our sin but like to make it personal um, Lectio Divina tries to do this too, but make it personal and put yourself in a place where it means something to you personally. You, God really is sustaining you. Like, do you feel tired when you're working? Again, to practicality. Um, you know, God has energy for you. Do you believe that? Do you believe God can come into your circumstance and speak to you and, and give you energy and help pick you up? Or do you go to a Red Bull? <laughs> 
Right. Nothing against Red Bull, but I'm just saying, like, how practical is your belief that God is truly with you? And communion, it's not just symbolic. It's meant to represent the reality that God is truly here for you. When you call upon the name of the Lord, he'll bring you saving grace in every moment. Exactly. It, just, it was just making me think. I'm looking at my website when you were talking about energy. I, was, I had read a book Mm-hmm. A couple of years ago by Matthew Fox called Naming the Unnameable mm-hmm. uh, by Matthew Fox. And he has mm-hmm. a quote. Let me find the quote that I thought was really interesting. Uh, I'm looking for... Uh, I know I can find it here. Let's see. That's all right. My listeners will be used to me having some silences, pausing to look for a scripture. I do that all the time. Where I'm like, uh, wait, I'm looking for it. Where's it at? So... No big deal. Well, I guess keep going. I don't want to. I don't want to lose it. But it, it basically talks about God mm-hmm. as be, as being kind of the energy within us. Um, right. It just reminded me of, of a quote that I liked in his book. Is Matthew uh, but, Fox a oh, contemporary writer? Yeah, he's he's been around a while. He's a uh, Episcopal. Well, I guess he's a former Episcopal priest, but he's written a large number of books. Quite frankly, so okay. he's been around for quite a while. So his name is, is Matthew Fox. Okay. That's good. It's good for for uh, us to share the people that are kind of feeding our spiritual life, so others can kind of go there too. I think that's good. I just found it, so I'll read it real quick. I just thought it was a neat quote, and it reminded me of it when you talked about energy, mm-hmm. where, where, the way you think of it. It's, God is the unstoppable energy of all beings, a boundless source that cannot be slowed down or mm-hmm. ultimately overcome. Mm-hmm. Was a quote in his book. Mm-hmm. Um, so it just made me think of it because that's yeah. really what it is. I mean, we're tapping into this this energy. Um, I believe I'm tapping into this powerful mm-hmm. energy during my centering prayer sit. Yeah, I've had this experience, very practically speaking, where I've felt a tiredness come on me. And being a mystic and be, having spiritual discernment, I've recognized that it was not a physical circumstance. It was a spiritual, I, w- I would call it a spiritual attack. I recognized that I didn't, it wasn't that I was physically tired, but my, it, it expressed itself physically, but it was only through prayer and saying, God, like I literally f- felt like I just needed to drop to the floor and sleep, but I prayed and it was through saying, you know, God, you're my energy and come in this moment and, and move against this other presence that's making me think I'm tired. And so I, I, most of the time we would think just that's a physical situation, but I've experienced where it was actually a spiritual circumstance, and I needed God's spirit to come and counteract that. Right. I mean, right. Exactly. And it just kind of woke you up and fused, fused you with, yeah. with energy that, yeah. that you need. I mean, God gives us really whatever we need, whether it's right. peace or love or compassion or confidence. Or, or energy just to keep keep moving and that was all you needed so he gave you a burst of energy uh, you quote Basil Pennington and uh, this is still chapter 3 of your book um, he writes in centering prayer we go beyond thought and image beyond the senses and the rational mind to that to that center of our being where God is working a wonderful work I feel like that's kind of what we're talking about but beyond thought image senses and the rational mind and so sometimes the rational mind in a situation will immediately have or see a problem and and come up with a solution right but sometimes we, we need to stop that mind and say wait a minute 
maybe God has a different, something else to say and a different approach here. And that's kind of what we're talking about is stop. Don't just assume everything is what you perceive it to be. And don't just go with your own thinking process, but invite God into the process. Right, right. I mean, God is, I guess, trying to get our attention in, in a nice, quiet, subtle way and then just patiently waiting for us to listen. But no, I think God's doing a wonderful work in us. Yeah. It's up to us us to listen, and God is is a patient God and, and will patiently wait, <laughs> wait it out. It is wonderful when we, when we begin to experience God's leading. And I, I think the reality is we can simply just go to our standard approach in any situation, right? But we can miss what God has, and that's part of contemplation is stop and don't just do the knee-jerk reaction, the first thing that comes to your mind necessarily, but stop and give some space. Ask God. Ask God if he or she has a different approach in that situation. Right, right. That's that's. And that's what's powerful about you know, any type of silent prayer practice is it slows us down and mm-hmm. lets us be more open to this so we don't immediately jump and do things um, mm-hmm. instead and react. We're doing kind of more God-inspired actions, not, not, not what we think, but to get what God would like us to do, and then we're partnering with God. Yeah, I really try to help push it to the practical because sometimes it can sound too mystical and ethereal and out of touch. But like, like what I've been wrestling with the last couple of weeks is when I'm working, I've experienced some frustration when I'm, when I'm encountering obstacles, when I, something that's not going the normal way. Um, and so, I, but contemplation teaches us to pay attention to our internal reality. So in these circumstances, I, I would tend to get very frustrated and then I would stop, I would kind of maybe even in an irrational sense, get more frustrated and not focus on just moving through the problem and and finding a solution, but get stuck in the feeling of frustration. And so I've been asking God, why in these situations, why am I getting frustrated to a point that I'm not even focused on the issue anymore and moving through it, but I'm just focused on the feeling? Why is that happening? And that's contemplation and centering prayer is also taking a moment to hear what God would say in those moments. So it is very practical. No, it is. And, it, and, it, and it's, um, I do a lot of writing, and I, and I wrote a very recent post that I put out on Facebook. Mm-hmm. I needed to remind myself, you know, at work I have tasks, and sometimes I don't even know how to handle them and how mm-hmm. to, how they can get done and I'm like and I wonder can I handle this mm-hmm. and then I tell myself I can handle this and then I and then I begin to realize well really I don't need to handle it I need to trust God and together God and I will will handle it so that's I kind of I can't handle this turns into I can handle this and then I bring bring it to my centering prayer sits let it go to God and then realize that God and I together will handle it, and that I'm never alone in, in anything. Yeah, and, and that seems that seems to help me. So I think I get when I worry too much that I can't do this, or I don't know how to do it. I, I forget I'm not alone in this. Like God is with me, and God will partner with me from beginning to end of this. So when I start panicking, is when I real, is is only when I'm thinking it's just me by myself. But as soon as I bring mm-hmm. God into it. I slow down, I calm down, 
and I seem to get through it. Yeah, I like that. That reminds me of Jesus' promise to never leave us alone, right? Right. I, he said that. But, yeah. No, I, that's all I was going to say is that it's we forget, or I'll say I will forget, mm-hmm. and I have to remind myself I'm not alone. Yeah. So it's when I when I think I'm alone, then I begin fearing. When I remember I'm not ever alone and God is always with me, mm-hmm. I start being less fearful and, and more calm and comfortable and confident and move forward and partner with God. I, I guess I keep coming back to I like to think of myself as partnering with God mm-hmm. in life on, on everything. Yeah, this is a good segue into chapter four, which is called the fruits of centering prayer. We've kind of already, this is what we're talking about, like the results or the, the benefit of when you do this, what what it can mean practically in every moment. I love that. Uh, I love that you take that practical uh, uh, stance as well. It's like, uh, it helps us understand it's not just sitting silent and it doesn't have any um connection to reality or our everyday life and work and relationships and one thing i guess i like to remind people is i mean we enter centering prayer simply because we love god and that's it and we come with no multi uh, ulterior motives or expectations we let go of whatever we think and just sit with god and then God seems to surprise us with fruits of the practice. So yeah. we don't enter them for any reason at all other than we love God and we want to trust God and we want to see what happens and we want God to transform us. God seems to have other plans and the fruits of centering prayer are unique for each practitioner. And that's kind of the exciting part. So maybe what I experience will be entirely different from what you or anyone else experiences. Mm. It's God giving each person what God knows they need. Yeah, you, you said that, and I'm looking at a quote from your book, which you wrote, and this is the quote, Our whole being, body, mind, and soul marinates in the mystery. It is a prayer of love without ul- ulterior motives. So that's, you just said very, something very similar. But yeah, um, I think that points to the reality that sometimes we're coming to God out of need, which isn't wrong, prayers of petition, but we're driven by something we need or something we want to get, and that's okay, but I would say that's obviously a little bit of a less mature stance. And it's not relationally driven. It's transactionally driven. And, and so what you're saying is like the ultimate gifts of God are relational. And it's about God wants to hang out with us. And, and we, we need to grow to, to desire just being with God. That's the maybe the biggest goal, I guess. Right, and, and it doesn't mean nothing's happening. I mean, I guess Mother Teresa, and I think I've even heard Richard Rohr mention, you know, where they've had long patches of dryness, mm-hmm. and they don't feel anything. Mm-hmm. And, and that's simply God is acting at, at such a deep level, they're not even yeah. aware of it. It's it, it, kind of a dark night of the soul mm-hmm. that God is, I'm not sure what God is doing, God's still there, yeah. but it's, it's at a very deep level and God is bringing you to a deeper level of, of trust. Mm-hmm. And, and I guess we've all experienced you know, dark nights of the soul, and, I, and I've experienced months of more depression than others in the past because of events. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's God work. It, I, when I look back, 
and I realized how I've changed because of that period. I realized it was a period I needed to go through and has made me where I am now, even though at the time it was, you know, awful. <laughs> yeah, I encountered this idea first in Watchman Nee's writing. Um, he's written a lot of books on the Holy Spirit and the work of the Holy Spirit, but he called it Seasons of Dryness or Aridity. But I like to imagine it this way. Let's let's just say we've learned to hear God to a certain degree. Um, but then God decides to turn the volume level of his voice down. And at first, we're used to a certain level of volume. And at first, then we don't hear God anymore in that way. But what do we have to do? We have to get a little more quiet, calm. And we, now we hear God at a deeper level. And I also think of it this way, like... If you were listening to someone's conversation at a distance, you would hear, you might pick up a few words, maybe the louder words, but as you move closer, you hear more, right? And more. And the closer you move, the more you hear. And so sometimes we're hearing a few words from God. And as we move closer, we hear more and more. And so I think in both of, with both of those metaphors, the idea is sometimes God removes his presence in the ways we're used to to draw us more fully into a, more, into a greater fullness of his presence, if that makes sense. No, no, it, it, it does, um, and it even made me think of um, Martin Laird. I don't know if you've ever read him. His, mm. in his late, one of his latest books, Ocean of Light, I think the last third of the book talks a lot about kind of mm. depression and um, what, how, that can, how that can impact us in the kind of word. It's not really the absence of God. God is still there you know, within um, the depression. Oh, yeah, I want a God that can be with me in all my times, not just the good ones. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> right? I think we, we fall into this trap in Christianity when we feel good, God is good. When we feel bad, where's God? And God's like, hey, look, I'm here especially for those times to walk with you. It's not because I left, and maybe you don't understand the reason, but at least know I'm walking with you and don't don't you don't leave me I haven't left you don't think I'm not with you and don't stop doing the things that keep you close to me especially in those hard times right right because he you know he said you know and this is a quote from his book you know insofar as we are aware of depression there's something within us that is free of depression otherwise mm -hmm. we could not be aware of it Amen. so yeah it is powerful, but it, but it, it also I, I don't. Uh, it, it is tough when for people that are deeply depressed. Mm -hmm. It is it, it, it is terrible, <laughs> and you have yeah. to realize that I am not a depression. And I, I think a silent prayer practice can help people mm -hmm. take a step back and look at thoughts and feelings and realize, even though I am depressed, I'm I'm not depression, and that's not who I am. Yeah, I keep coming back to this word and idea of narrative. And what we're talking about a lot is there's often a lot of narratives going on around us in the world. And even practically speaking, we're hearing messages from our culture. Those are narratives. Those are stories that focus us in a certain way and speak a certain truth. And so the goal of contemplation is to put us more in tune with God's narrative but also to show us where we're listening to the wrong narrative, which isn't from God. And depression often is sometimes God revealing we're listening to a wrong story and a wrong truth. Right. 
Right. And the world, you know, tells us all kinds of things. Advertising tells us things that aren't necessarily true, and so they, they want us to buy things because right. what what their product will do for you. Mm-hmm. Um, so we need to be careful of, you know, that's not necessarily true. Um, right. And we're listening to kind of the interior voice of God rather than a, a commercial advertisements or culture or the government or your corporation you might work for may tell you things that aren't necessarily who you need to be and how you need to act. Yeah, the basic message of any advertising is to create or to provide a problem and then they have the solution, right? That's basic sales is like you have to believe there's something wrong and they can fix it. Um, that's just and the, but that can in a more spiritual sense become deceptive and destructive if if you think there's something wrong with you and you're listening, like even depression is saying, I'm not good enough, or there's something in me that's not good or right. And God comes in and says, no, I made you, you're good. There may be some things that need healing in you that are broken, but you, in your essence, identity, you're good. I love you. You're loved. You're worthy. Right. Exactly. And so I think a lot of contemplation centering prayer practically is recognizing the narrative that's going on. If you feel depressed, what is the message at the heart of that? What is it speaking to you? Generally, it's usually saying, I'm not enough. I'm not good. I don't have enough. Something's wrong with me. But but inviting God into that process is God saying, listen, that here's the thing that you think is true. It's the thing that's making you feel bad, but it's not true. And let me tell you what is true. Right. And by all means, I mean, there's people that need professional help, whether it's a psychiatrist or a psychologist. So I'm not at all saying centering prayer or contemplative prayer is going to, you may need both. So some people may, may need the help of an outside you know, specialist. Sure. Um, they can certainly practice centering prayer, but they may need that additional help, support, and or medication mm-hmm. um, to help them with their, with whatever illness they may have. Totally agree. I have both been to a counselor for depression and been on medication at times. So, you know, God works in all the ways. <laughs> God is not anti-medicine or psychology for sure. So that's good. It's good to note that. We're not saying centering prayer is the, is the snake oil that heals all your, that cures all your ails in a sense. But in a sense, if we're listening to God and he says, well, this is, this is a good just a good illustration. When I first had my breakdown, the first thing God spoke to me was, go to a doctor and get on medication. Like God had to, And God had to tell me that because I wouldn't have done it because I'm very anti-medicine. But God actually told me to go get on anti-depression medicine. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Right. No, I mean, it, it, it makes sense. I've, I've talked yeah. to many, many people um, or seen many people, friends, family, and, and mm-hmm. it, very much needed and very much helped help them. Well, there was an immediate chemical imbalance in my body because of right. the uh, cortisone and dopamine levels in my body that could not have been balanced through anything except uh, medication at that time. And so God knew that too. Like God knows our physical state. So it's really cool. But it does, you know, in the... In the end, everything can come back to listening to God, but we shouldn't exclude God working through anything, right? Or everything. Right. 
or in some cases if you have you have you know a, a mild depression sometimes god may and you don't want to get up you don't want to move sometimes it's just movement yeah. is what you need if mm-hmm. uh, where you're depressed well sometimes if you just move get up take a walk or take mm-hmm. action or help someone else and get your mind off you mm-hmm. you start feeling a little bit better yeah i love a lot that a lot of what we talked about in this uh, session has been depression and anxiety because those are the things that plague our society the most, I think. Um, but I love that God cares about those things and has a path for each of us to walk out of those things. Right. And, I mean, I think everybody has anxiety in their life. So I, I think uh, sure. everybody could everybody could use a dose of silence, as I, I like to say. Everybody could use a dose of silence, a daily dose of silence. It, it, it helps mm-hmm. uh, with anxiety and stress. Um, as well as just helping you properly focus on what you need to do. And then obviously, for me, it's not just a form of meditation. It's, it's sitting with God and letting God help me become my true self, the person God wants me to become. So it's really what the, uh, Thomas Keating referred to as divine therapy, mm. is what happens during centering prayer, where God is yeah. healing me over the long term of what I need to be healed of, whether it's mm. tension I'm holding in my body or repressed thoughts mm. or anxiety or depression. It's the divine therapy is happening and removing all the barriers and letting my true self emerge and come out and, and play, I'll say. Yeah, two scriptures come to my mind. One, Jesus is called the great counselor. And two, the Holy Spirit is said, it's, it's said about the Holy Spirit that he knows what we need before we even ask. And he knows what we need deeper than we know. So, like, both of those things, as far as anxiety and depression, uh, to me, speak to the reality that God uh, God wants to walk with us, to heal us, heal our, heal our emotions, our thoughts, and even physically. So I think, you know, this is all very much in line with, with the Bible. Right. Exactly. Um, and, and so, I, I mean, it is, we're running close on time, but, it, you know, in the end, what we're talking about is just how centering prayer gets us more in tune with hearing God as, you know, so that God can begin to lead us out of the things, out of our brokenness, out of the things that are plaguing us, our struggles, whatever they may be in every moment, that we can learn to walk with God and in every moment we have the connection, the accessibility of God to be able to speak to us what we need in every moment. Right. I mean, it really saves us from ourselves. And it's, again, I, you know, I keep saying it's not centering prayer that's saving us. It's God. God is helping yeah. us. But a daily dose of silence or centering prayer can save us from our own selves and our own thoughts and way of doing things. Um, it can save us and help us move forward on the path God wants us to move forward on. Yeah, and um, a lot of times what we do, we look to Scripture for truth. It's, it's the tried and true, right? But even Scripture tells us also to develop that intimate relationship so that God can speak more specifically. Like, Scripture always has good things to speak to us, hopeful things, but sometimes we need something a little more specific and tailored to our circumstance. And so that's why we need, in addition to what God has already said through Scripture, we also need to hear what God would say to us in any given moment. Right. 
because when you're, I guess when you're reading scripture too, I guess scripture can be whatever book you're looking at is written for to a group of a community at that time, Mm -hmm. however long ago that was. Mm -hmm. So you might be misinterpreting the context where it Mm -hmm. it was for a certain group and a certain community, and perhaps you're taking it the wrong way. So. Yeah. And, there, and there's a style of reading the Bible called Lectio Divina, where you mm-hmm. kind of read a small passage, and then what is God trying to tell me mm-hmm. you know, in this passage? Yes, totally. I, I, early on in my life, in my 20s, I, I began to approach Scripture and ask God to to teach me through it instead of just trying to draw my own conclusions about it. And I think that's that's just another part of where contact with God is important. Even when we're reading Scripture, we can bring our own mind or we can set our mind aside <laughs> right that's right. good that's what we're talking about we're talking about setting our mind aside our preconceived so notions saying, yeah right no i'm sorry no that's all i was saying so when i read the bible i, I try to you know what do you want me to get out of this god mm-hmm. instead of me looking for something it's more kind of a reverse of what speak to me through the words of the bible so i'm not just looking in it and and finding here, this is why I had you do this. It's more listening to what is it trying to tell me rather than me looking for something in it, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's so good. I love uh, I love where the conversation has gone. Um, it's been a good conversation. We're going to continue. We've just kind of uh, we've uh, touched upon chapters three and four of sitting with God. Um, and it's been good. I Before we before I run out of time, Richard, uh, remind people where they can uh, tell them about your book, where they can find it, and your website, so people can find you. And you know, you do daily meditations, I think, as well. And so, how can people find you and benefit from what you're doing? Sure, it's simple. Uh, SilenceTeaches.com is my website. If they subscribe, they'll get a free ebook on centering prayer, and they'll automatically receive every Monday. I have a meditation that goes off my site. And then on my site, they can see um, information about my published book that we've been talking about, chapters three and four, Sitting with God, A Journey to Your True Self Through Center in Prayer. And there's other things on the site, a resource page of books and courses and websites that I have found helpful regarding Mm -hmm. contemplative practices, the Bible, Jesus, so uh, all that kind of stuff. So just come to my website and that'll get them anything they might have interest in looking at. Yes, and my website is www.moderncontemplative.com, and I am working to put a resource page on there which would have your book and your website. Uh, I just haven't got to it yet, but I want to develop, I want to help people go to the things that have helped me, right? Which is what you do also, and so, like, you've helped me, your book is helping me, and I want to pass that along. Eventually, I'll have a resource page on my website, <laughs> but um, this has been the Construction Monk Podcast. I'm your host, Jay Randall Ori, and I have enjoyed, and I hope you've enjoyed, sitting with Richard Lewis as he sits with God, <laughs> discussing the book, Sitting with God. So, hey guys, thanks for listening. I really appreciate it, and Richard, thank you for coming on. Appreciate it. It was uh, another great uh, talk, so thanks for having me again. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks. All right, guys, bye.